Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. We're continuing our family Bible studies in the Gospel according to St. Matthew. And today we are talking about peacemakers from the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. In verse 9, we have the beatitude, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. That's Jesus speaking. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, whenever you read a command, particularly in the New Testament, about something God wants us to be or to do, we don't just set off on our own because the whole idea of trying to live the Beatitudes, of trying to live the Sermon on the Mount, is having Christ live his life through us. So how do we find peace with God, that famous Hebrew word for peace, shalom? How do we find shalom with God? And Romans chapter 5, Epistle of Romans, chapter 5, and verse 1 says, Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do we find peace? Again, it's not something we do as much as something we believe. We trust and have faith in Christ to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, become righteous, and as a result, we have peace with God. And you know, it's it's rather easy to become sort of a stressed out Christian, so to speak, trying to do everything on our own steam rather than trusting God has done for us and he will live his life for us. So we can't run off and become peacemakers without Christ. And then there's Philippians 4 and verse 6. Again, this is building on the beatitude. Blessed are the peacemakers. We have to have peace before we become a peacemaker. St. Paul says, have no anxiety about anything. Do you ever have anxiety? Personally, and I might be weird, but I think everybody has anxiety in, in our day. It's just, it's, it's, it's the nature of modern life. But St. Paul says, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, it's not a just a little trite, pious expression, turn your cares into prayers. That's what St. Paul is saying, and the peace that passes all understanding. And, and, you know, if you go through your day and you're starting to get anxious about something, you don't have to just stop everything you're doing. You can be driving in your car, although that can be hard to have peace while you're driving your car in today's traffic, but nonetheless, just say a quick prayer about the thing you're becoming anxious about and trust God to bring peace into your life. I was reading on this in a 
commentary called the Life Application Commentary. It's kind of a unique commentary because it gives a, a rather simple description or comment on what the Scripture passage is talking about, but then it tries to do sometimes, which is the very hard thing, is how does that relate to our life? And in the Life Application Commentary, it says, well, making peace with your spouse might be the most difficult of all. It listed all the different areas of our life, which we are called to and should be responsible for being a peacemaker, and says, you know, finding peace with our spouse. And today, the alternative is to quit rather than trying to make peace. But today in particular, and I have to confess it's because of what's going on in our world, I'd like to concentrate on how we can be peacemakers in a world that seems to be willing and ready to be going to war. In the Navarre Study Bible, that's a Catholic study Bible, it says, being at peace with God is the cause and the effect of every kind of peace. And I couldn't agree more with that. That's why I began with we're justified by faith. In other words, our salvation is something that we anxiously try to do, but it's something we believe Christ has provided for us. And as a result of that relationship and peace with God, we can extend peace to others and to the wider circles in our world. But then the Navarre Bible goes on and makes another statement, which, again, I agree with 100%. It says this, any peace on earth not based on this divine peace would be vain and misleading. Again, the cause and effect of all peace is peace with God through Jesus Christ, having faith in him. So any peace we try to concoct on our own, and peace is a good thing, but it says if it's not based on divine peace through Christ, it would be vain and misleading. Now, I don't know if you thought much about this, but have you thought, well, what's the leading country of all the countries in the world that's known for being able to maintain peace? And I hope Switzerland comes to mind because it seems that in the modern world, they have a unique, peaceful neutrality uh, being right in the midst of Europe, and Europe seems to always be at war with each other. The Germans fight the French, French fight the Germans, and the French fight the English, English and Germans fight each other. I mean, it's like nonstop. And then there's Switzerland. How did Switzerland find peace? Well, it's very interesting. If you trace it back, it was begun by a Catholic monk by the name of St. Nicholas of Flu. And flu is spelled F-L-U-E. And there's a, a wonderful article on St. Nicholas of Flu on the EWTN website. And it says this, he was willing to perform military service. I believe he was a captain. He fought and everything else. So he, he wasn't condemning uh, trying to defend your country and stuff. But what he did condemn was immoral wars of aggression and particularly the slaughter of non-combatants. And you may or may not know this, but it's customary in war. Twice as many innocent civilians are killed as combatants. 
And sometimes we don't like to talk about that, but that's a very nasty aspect of modern warfare. And so he basically condemned that, but he became a monk. He was a captain, a married man and such, but with the agreement of his wife, and he went off and lived in a little hermitage and people started coming to him. Nobility started coming to him. Rulers started coming to him. And he would help them find a way to find peace. Uh, John Paul II visited Switzerland where he was, St. Nicholas of Flu, and he said his example can still to today be a model of great significance. Well, I would underline that, great significance. So uh, the other thing to think about today is that we now have in the modern world nuclear weapons, and every time there's an invention uh, of some sort, it seems like that invention is used in warfare. And nuclear weapons have already been used in warfare, so don't tell me this can never happen, because I think a lot of people pretend it can't happen, who you know, talk real easily about getting in conflict with, say, another nation that may have nuclear weapons. Personally, I fully expect another world war and one in which nuclear weapons will be used. I'm not sure exactly when, but the reason is, is back to that citation from the Navarre Bible. Having peace is due to peace with God. That's where it all starts. And any peace on earth not based on the peace that Christ brings is vain and misleading. And you can have all the national summits and international summits and United Nations and League of Nations and everything else, but if Christ isn't in the middle of it, uh, there will not be peace. I'm sorry. I mean, we might have peace for a time, but war will break out in the worst possible mentions. And just so you know, the United Nations uh, does have a religion, but it's a real, I'm being nice, a screwball new age, dark new age religion and the United Nations. It's nothing of a peace from Christ. I think it will be in vain. Again, citing the excellent comment from the Navarre Study Bible. Now, why do I think we could be um, just really itching for a world conflict? Well, I think the modern world, or much of the modern world, has departed from Christ. We're trying to live our lives, and even if we have faith, we think all our faith uh, is a nice thing for church, one hour a week. Well, we go and we hear Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And then we leave church and we go about things based on our political ideas, our scientific ideas, uh, our, our uh, political party ideas, or whatever they are. We don't think that has anything to do with anything, but it does. And if we're Christians, we really need to have that influence of peacekeeping extend beyond the four walls of our church. It needs to be something international. When we live in a world, I don't know, I think it's like up to nine nations now that have nuclear weapons. But here's what's going on uh, that I found just this week. China 
has raised the age of their draft to 60 years old. I was absolutely floored when I read that. Why would you raise the age of draft to 60? I mean, 60-year-olds aren't exactly what you think is of an aggressive infantry and this and that. Well, this is like what Germany did in the closing months of World War II. China obviously thinks a war is coming, and that's why they're extending the draft. Belarus, and if you're an American like me, you're horrible at geography, so I must confess I looked it up. Oh, it's Belarus. Uh, it borders on Russia, Ukraine, and Poland. Okay, they have issued a draft for all men 18 to 60 years old. What do they know that they did this like China to raise the age of the draft to 60? Uh, forecaster Martin Armstrong this week is predicting the reestablishment of the draft in the United States. Now, if it gets reinstated, President Biden said this, I would ensure that women are also eligible to register for the selective service system so that men and women are treated equally in the event of future conflicts. Now, I'm old school. I don't believe that men and women should be treated equally when it comes to war. Uh, in other aspects of life, yes. But what's going to happen if the upcoming European war, the war that spills over from the Ukraine to a wider conflict in Europe, and that spills over into a world war, maybe in a few years, middle of a decade or something, if something like that would happen, be aware that your daughters and your granddaughters would be eligible for the draft for that war. So we don't think a whole lot of these things. We just go and think about the latest Twitter or the latest text or the latest news clip or the latest YouTube or something, and our minds are distracted from these are life-changing events, and the world is, seems to be ramping up in a real serious way. This is another one. I found out just this morning, along with China and Belarus, I found out both of those uh, this week, but this morning, the Norwegian intelligence services are reporting that Russia has now deployed ships with tactical nuclear weapons. And this is the first time they claim to have done it in 30 years. So what are they preparing for? The U.S. government has said that they are not planning on sending F-16 fighter planes to Ukraine because some people were advocating that, and they said, no, we're not planning to do it, but how do I say this nicely? They're not being overly truthful about that, and the reason I know that is because I live in Greenville, South Carolina, and in Greenville, South Carolina, at our Donaldson Airfield, the F-16s are modified for sale to governments overseas. It's right here in my hometown. And in the local press, it was reported, oh yeah, we're ramping up so that we can produce the F-16s to go in from the United States to bomb and attack Russia. Now, Russia has missiles that can land anywhere in the United States. Now, I'm not saying this, but I don't know if anybody in Greenville has even thought of this. 
But if you were determining over there in Russia where these things go, I mean, obviously they're going to hit our military bases and probably our big cities and stuff. But if the bombs are dropping from planes prepared in Greenville, South Carolina, maybe we are a target now that otherwise we wouldn't be. And we think, wow, that was really great to get some high-paying jobs. And what are the consequences of all these things? Um, we saw in the news the blowing up the Nord Stream 2. Nobody claims to have done it, but Russia has a good idea who did it, and it was claimed this is an act of war. And one thing that I actually have mentioned here before, but um, folks just don't appreciate the seriousness of the event. Some security service, and again, nobody claims to have done it, planted a bomb in the car of Alexander Dungan. And Alexander Dungan has been called Putin's brain. He's one of the chief strategists for establishing Russia in the middle, in the modern world and such, including Ukraine. And Dungan is a, um, well, you, you could say he's a hothead. Um, and he puts religious tones on his hothead political views. Okay, so somebody planted a bomb in Dungan's car. He went to an event with his daughter, a young woman who is uh, prominent on, or was prominent on Russian TV. And for some reason, they decided to switch cars when they came back. And Dungan's daughter was blown up right in front of his eyes. Again, this is the man advising Putin. I'm quoting from a book from a Lutheran pastor who's very concerned with him taking religious uh, overtones, applying it to political strategy, and then feeding it into Putin's ear. This is straight from Alexander Dungan. When there is only one power which decides who is right and who is wrong, and who should be punished and who not, we have a form of global dictatorship, and this is not acceptable. Therefore, we should fight against it. If anyone deprives us of our freedom, we have to react, and we will react. The American empire should be destroyed, and at one point, it will be. Spiritually, globalism is the creation of a grand parody of the kingdom of the Antichrist, and the United States is the center of its expansion. American values pretend to be universal ones in reality, it is a new form of ideological aggression against the multiplicity of cultures and traditions still existing in the rest of the world. So he's advocating the United States being the great antichrist globalist power to be taken out. And here we are here in Greenville, South Carolina, preparing F-16s when the federal government will change their mind and I'm not a betting person too much, but I would bet that F-16s from Greenville, South Carolina will be used to drop bombs on Russia. And we think, well, you know, they'll just do equivalent back. Uh, I'm not exactly sure of that. I saw a YouTube of Dungan 
burying his face in his hands when his daughter was blown up. He knew exactly what was going on, and I think that was the most stupid thing in the world to do in the nuclear age. Some other things going on. There's a French historian, this came out this week as well, uh, who actually predicted the fall of the Soviet Union more than a decade in advance. And a lot of people thought this was going to be with us forever, the Soviet Union. He claims that World War III has already begun as a result of what's going on in Ukraine. Now, people think, well, uh, you know, it's not a big deal. My son and my daughter are not in the military. A lot of people aren't expecting to draft. So they say, well, I'm, I'm free of this. I can just watch it on TV. Well, do you know that in the first few seconds of World War III, there will be no TV? By that, I mean the first nuclear bomb or first nuclear blast will not be a nuclear bomb dropping anywhere in the United States or on a military installation and such. It will be a nuclear explosion in the high atmosphere, which causes an electric magnetic pulse, which blows out everything in the modern world. It's called EMP. And EMP will blast any country where one is detonated over it back to the 19th century. So in other words, no running water, no gasoline, no electricity, no electrical appliances, no computers, no cell phones, no food, no sanitation pickup, no ATMs, no banks open, no medical operating rooms, no pharmacies, and except for old cars, uh, most automobiles will be inoperable. This is an exceedingly serious situation. There's a novel, and I'm not recommending it as a Catholic book. It isn't. There's not things in there that, you know, I can't recommend. But there's a novel about what happens one second after an EMP blast. And you only need two or three of these to cover the entire United States, and we would be back 100 to 150 years. Uh, it's called One Second After, and this book has been read by our intelligence services, the Department of Defense, and members of the United States Congress and Senate. And it's a very serious thing, and we're playing with this by, again, escalating this situation with Russia. Now, there's the strangest irony in the world in that conservative patriotic Christians, you would think, as followers of Jesus, we'd pay attention to something like the Beatitudes, where Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And yet the irony is that some of the leading warmongers, those who, who can't resist starting a war someplace, somehow, uh, are conservative Christians. Uh, Christians, why? We're supposed to be peacemakers. And, you know, we watch as conservative Christians, conservative commentators who are belligerent, demeaning, and scathing in their attitude towards Russia. And politicians do this, including those who want to be president of the United States. Shame on them. 
Now, am I saying that we should uh, disarm ourselves and allow Russia and Red China to dominate us? No, not for a minute. Okay, if you're a conservative Christian, you're a conservative politician, rather than demeaning everyone, why don't you become like Ronald Reagan? He was tough, and our opponents knew they were tough. Russia knew he was tough, and because of that, he was willing to sit down at the peace table with them and negotiate from a posture of strength. That's cons- And I'm a conservative, so I'm speaking as a conservative. That's how a conservative deals with these issues. It's not just my first reaction to start dropping bombs is, you know, we're not going to sit down at any peace table till we bomb them. No, 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 no. We're strong. We don't have to be like a bully, have to assert ourselves to prove we're strong. But because we're strong, we can negotiate and treat other people in other nations as human beings rather than simply insulting them. President Eisenhower, and again, he's not some hippie peacenik. He was a five-star general and the supreme allied commander in World War II. But he warned that, yes, we needed to ramp up in the modern world our military strength, but yet he said we need to recognize there are some grave implications if we don't mesh this properly with peaceful methods and goals. Now, we've ramped up our military posture, unlike anything in human history here in the United States, but I really asked the question in light of the beatitude of peacemakers we're talking about today, have we actually balanced it as President Eisenhower advocated with the idea of how we do this in a peaceful method with peaceful goals. Now, this is totally outdated, and how, what does he know about anything? But there's this guy named George Washington, and his last words as President of the United States were, stay out of foreign conflicts, particularly in Europe. It says, Europe is always engaged in controversies, and it would be unwise to implicate ourselves by artificial ties in her politics. Well, what does he know? Well, maybe we ought to dust off what Washington said. And even more so, maybe we should dust off what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, I'm going to say it real straight. Voting for a warmonger, and by a warmonger, I'm not talking about somebody who's advocating strong national defense, but voting for a warmonger, Republican or Democrat, is anti-Christian. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 430 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.